0: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Yes, folks, and it is another week here at Dublin South FM, as we try and bring you the best people, the best leaders, best conversations around the world so you can make your own decision. Be curious, be intelligent, be whatever you want to be, but just be you. And that's what it's all about being you and understanding the world that we live in. And today we're going to tap into South Africa. Yes, South Africa, the place that we all know and love, a place that is where we can learn a lot. And we have Ian and Ian, I have to say, talks about consciousness and he talks about leadership. What is good leadership? What is toxic leadership? What makes a good leader and why we have so many bad leaders in the
1: world? Ian. Welcome to Dublin South FM. How are you? Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And it's so good to be with you today.
0: Ian, I have to say, um, you know, when you look at your profile on LinkedIn and you talk about, you know, the, 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 the pill and everyone is, you know, did you take the red pill? And we talk about Morpheus, which is, you know, the flagship behind your business and anyone knows, you know, anything about the red pill or knows about morphs? they know about the matrix and what it is. And, you know, as I said to you in our last conversation that we had, it's not about taking a pill. People shouldn't take any pill and actually go, no, I am me and I am standing in my own throat. So explain to me,
1: what is leadership to you? So leadership for me, uh, I mean, you get good and bad. So I'm going to talk about the good. The good uh, leadership for me is what I call conscious leadership. Um, And the term is actually quite interesting because I left the corporate world. I I used to work for Microsoft 20 years ago. In fact, this month, 20 years ago, uh, I left and... um, and and in those days, I left because I got this bee in my bonnet around authentic leadership. We didn't have the term conscious leadership yet. In fact, consciousness was not a very common term for many of us at that stage. And um, that over time, that evolved into what we call conscious leadership. And And so for me, good leadership is leadership where the leader is conscious. They're conscious of themselves. They're awake. They're aware. And for me, the... The red pull symbolizes that awakening. It's it's uh, that that's why we we use that that symbol. But it's it's really waking up to who we really are, waking up to our own uniqueness, uh, our own genius, um, uh, and of course our own weaknesses, our own mediocrities. You know, waking up to all of who we are um, is is to me the beginnings of conscious leadership. And then of course awakening to our people awakening to their needs and um, paying attention to what they need and what's going on for them
0: yeah i would agree that you know when we look at leadership we should actually just look at people and we look at what resonates with those people and resonating with ourselves and as you know Um, consciousness is a big thing for me as well. And uh, for my own opinion is what really defines a great conscious leader is when they're making those decisions they're making it in for the greater good and not saying what's in it for me, myself and I, and that I believe makes the difference. So what was your journey or what, what was that flip from going from Microsoft to going into your own and then going down that path of, you know, conscious leadership?
1: Uh, interesting question. So the uh, the journey was rough. <laughs> I thought it'd be quite a simple one. You know, um, if I could do this well, and I'm and I'm not really fully expressing my essence, then surely with the moment I start expressing my essence, everything's just going to open up for me. And of course, it doesn't quite work that way. So my journey was: I started a business. Um, I got a partner in the business. We had a lot of conflict, uh, and eventually, I realised that I had this wonderful ideal that I hadn't done the inner journey myself on. And uh, I I had a crisis. This was uh, 11 years ago. And the crisis was a bit of a triple crisis. Um, uh, I left my spiritual community. I got divorced and I left my business. And this was my awakening. This is when I started to look at myself properly and say, it's all very good to have wonderful leadership theory, but actually the journey starts within. And so um, I made myself a little rule and I come from a a background, a very almost Calvinist background where it's all about hard work and you mustn't think too much of yourself and all this kind of thing. And, um, And I suddenly had this idea of waking up every morning and saying, Ian, you are your number one job today. Uh, now, there are other jobs. And of course, we want to be of service to people and we want to be listening. But it starts with listening to self. And that awakening changed everything for me. And I, and I think in some ways, my, my father would be rolling in his grave uh, with this whole idea of I went on a journey of self-love. And that journey was my awakening that helped me to love others was how do you love others if you don't love yourself first? Where do you get it from?
0: Yeah. As Joseph Campbell would say, the hero's journey and that 20 year, you know, road, I think it's, I think I would relate to that. I think it's where we have that midlife crisis. You know, for me, my midlife crisis was going out and buying a Jeep Wrangler convertible and had a, you know, a six month old baby, which didn't make any sense. And, you know, it was strange times and, yeah i think we we need to kind of go through something that actually shakes the sugar out of us to actually make us awake and it's a it's funny that you say you know awareness i think that's where it is i think it's about being self-aware and if you can be self-aware it is that journey to breaking habits and it's the habits that we are told from our past that destroy our future mm.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, we, we have um, some sayings that we, we, we use here in our business and with the products that we have, where we talk about getting rid of the conditioning, because we are so conditioned into how things should be. It's the shoulds and the oughts and the musts and, and so on. And, and in fact, in another room here, we've got somebody busy, busy doing a coaching session uh, with a group, uh, a, a whole uh, intake of, of people, and they're, they're going through the should list which I'm sure you can imagine is a bit of a word. coulda, of water. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's another one. I'm not sure if this is okay for your listeners, but um, they talk about masturbation. Um, <laughs> everything must. You must do this, and you must do that. And um, and 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 we really want to get to the place where we get in tune with who we really are, and awaken to our own uniqueness, and live ourselves, and bring that to the world. That's where the biggest influence actually comes from.
0: Well, Lane, I have a question for you. You know. How are leaders responding to consciousness? Because we talk about you know, courage and we call, talk about truth and leadership is, you know, we believe it's this great thing that, you know, this, the, on the battlefield, but consciousness is, is, it goes a bit deeper. How does the corporate world, in your opinion, um, feel about the language of consciousness when it comes to becoming leaders?
1: Well, I think it's shifting, but it's got a long way to go. So let me give you a specific example. Um, I I did some work. It was about a 10-year project for uh, an American company working with a uh, African communications company telecommunications company and over the sort of 10 year period we did a bunch of training and people came back to me like a year later two years later how much it had changed their lives how much it had changed the way they parent the way they lead and this kind of thing but it never changed the organization culture because the organization culture was driven by the top and it was just numbers, numbers, numbers. Forget this, this sort of consciousness. And so I had a lot of people whose lives were transformed, but the organization culture was not. And I, I think we're starting to see a shift. So we're starting to see a shift where I think... Um, Uh, lockdown made a big uh, a big impact Uh, we're starting to see mental health issues are starting to impact performance Um, isolation issues are starting to impact performance and and suddenly the old way of leading just doesn't work anymore and so we are seeing some levels of awakening some organizations much more ahead than others
0: yeah the whole awakening and the whole process of consciousness, like the more that I've looked into consciousness, the more that I realize we don't need to explain it because it's resonating within. So the deeper I go on the search, the more that I'm realizing I can't explain it, I can't. But we can have leadership that are conscious. And the the, the whole this whole process that you're walking through people through, what are they hoping to achieve? Like, you know, let's talk about success and we all define what success
1: is. You know, what are they trying to achieve in their own careers? Well, I think there's two parts to this. I think the for the personal part, they're wanting to lead in a more authentic way. I think that we're tired of putting on a show. We're tired of trying to fit in by being somebody we're not. Um, And I think there is a lot of the uh, people are getting awakening to this, the the futility, the futility of a life that is trying to be a copy of somebody else or, you know, be more like Steve Jobs, be more like Nelson Mandela, you know, whatever it might be. And and I think people are getting a bit tired of it because they realize only Steve Jobs can be Steve Jobs and only Nelson Mandela can be Nelson Mandela. And so I think there is a personal awakening to realize that um it, it's a it's it's a more comfortable place. To be. Well, it's actually in some ways more uncomfortable because it's breaking against all the shoulds and all of that. But it's more comfortable in the sense that it's sustainable because we're drawing from our essence, our uniqueness. Um, our consciousness is and and it's even beyond, you know, just the uniqueness of the wiring of the brain. It's it's, um, it's like our, our bodies, our emotions, and being much more aware of every part of who we are and bringing that. And I think that's the personal journey. But uh, what they're beginning to realize is this is more sustainable from a business perspective. So when you are more conscious and you are more paying attention to the needs of your people, you realize eventually that all of your success as a leader is really through your people. And so, um, you know, the, the, the sort of old command and control or uh, various sort of mechanisms of people fe- which leaves the people feeling isolated and disconnected, If as the people are empowered to bring their genius, we're actually seeing productivity levels rise incredibly quickly. And, and I'll give you a simple example. I'm working with a team at the moment and we we lit we've discussing it the other day and they're saying each individual team member with what we're doing their productivity has increased probably three or four fold with what we're doing just because there's better connection better connection with of consciousness of each of the members of the team as well but but that's it that's, it's the communication like
0: leadership is about communication and it's about people and it's about community and you know i think if you're just getting people to be as we said earlier, being self-aware about themselves, it's about them being self, being aware of other people around them. And you mentioned, you know, Nelson Mandela and you mentioned, you know, Steve Jobs. And I think that is the biggest issue that people have. It's frightened to be authentic, frightened to be, you know, stand in their own two shoes. And, and, you know, then we have, you know, imposter syndrome which i'm starting to question in a way um imposter syndrome and the reason why i'm questioning it is because i could do a report or do something on imposter syndrome and it would tell me you were this imposter syndrome and it would tell me a b and c about myself but i would look at that and i go i'm not an imposter i'm content and i'm happy because i'm very self-aware of who i am and I'm not really an imposter. That's me, and I enjoy this. So I think, you know, we we try and look at imposter syndrome or we look at being authentic and we look at all this stuff, and all this is external information to really
1: stop us from going internal. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with you. The the internal journey is the key. Uh, And and when we get that right, when we discover the depths of what's available inside of us, um, then we have the real authenticity and, and we no longer are imposters. I heard something really wise the other day, and I realized this is key to conscious leadership. Is um, a, a, Somebody was talking about wisdom and work, and they were saying whenever we doubt, it's a reminder that we have integrity. It's not a negative. It's not something that we go, oh, well, you know, therefore it's all wrong and I'm deceiving my clients or whatever. It's actually a reminder that we have wisdom and integrity and that um and that we can take that doubt and go, ah, this means I'm stepping into my authenticity. I'm not actually trying to fool anybody, pull the wool over anybody's eyes or anything like that, because the very doubt actually stimulates the the integrity, the wisdom i have to ponder on that for a second
0: let me think about that and the reason it took be well a while is, too by the way yeah but the, the, the reason is that you know why are we not ourselves you know why do we have to pretend and let's be honest i have crap days i have more good days than crap days but i have crap days me too and i do have you know times to add them up and i'm down and that's part of life but i've also learned and you know and it's coming more and more apparent to me now as i get older is that those thoughts in my head that were you know indoctrinated through all the external information through the years it's like and i've said this on another show it's like i have a toothpick And it's the only way to get it out is pick it out. And my inner thoughts now are more of a positive. My inner thoughts now are more of success. My inner thoughts now when something negative comes, I can really turn it around really quickly. And it's because of that muscle here, that I'm exercising and to change that paradigm shift, to re re retell the story that I'm having is affecting my life immensely. So why have we got to where we are when we should be where we are now? If that makes sense, like humanity in a way.
1: It starts in childhood. I mean, we we have the conditioning from parents and um, and teachers and siblings, and and then it moves on to the media and the government, and I mean, all sorts of influences that that take us away from our true selves. But let me give you a very simple example, and this I think is such a clue, is that um, I remember when I was raised as a child, uh, the the rule was you have had to finish everything on your plate every meal, and 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 and. It, if you didn't, it was represented again the next meal and you had to finish what was on your plate. And, and so it t- takes us away from tuning in to our inner clock that says you know because our bodies actually communicate with us all the time and it tells us we get clues about we need this nutrition we need that if you've got a desire for something salty it means you need missing certain minerals you know all of this kind of stuff and we basically get detuned from listening to our bodies because we have these regulated things and then of course the media reinforces that by wanting to feed Junk food, which doesn't meet all those needs, and and so we end up on this journey. And for me personally, it was a journey of obesity. I I ended up being morbidly obese, um, and uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I went up to one hundred and eighty kilograms. Um, you know, really, really obese. But it was because I was no longer tuned into my body. And when I started to tune into my body and get and recover some of that stuff that was sort of beaten out of me in childhood. Then I started to awaken and, 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 and I, the journey isn't over, but I'm, I, you know, I have lost an incredible amount of weight and I'm, I'm back in, 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 a, in fine form. And, and that's just one example about food. Now, doesn't that happen with almost everything in life? My dad, for example, was a quality manager and his mantra was do it right first time. Problem is my style of learning is learned by doing, which means I've got to do it wrong a few times before I can do it right. And and there was always this pressure, and 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 it kind of sends this message: it's not okay to be me. It's not okay to be me. And my journey from eleven years ago was the journey of I'm learning that it is okay to be me.
0: Well, that's I think that's a huge lesson that everybody needs to learn that it's okay to be you. Definitely, you know, I it's I think if, if what I'm saying to a lot of my clients now as well is you know you have to be be you you know be brave as well so you know and have that courage life and business i think as we get older and we get wiser that we sort of understand that it's only the thoughts in our head that stops us from being successful and i was on a call the other night uh with someone and they were going how do i you know i have a roaring business i'm a huge success you know I, in the town they see as as the the, you know, the the golden ticket. And how do I tell my friends that are working in jobs that, you know, money isn't everything, you know, he says, how how do I discuss these with people? Mm. And they said, you know, it's starting off with the story that you tell yourself. And I, but people find that how do you, you know, someone says, how can you tell the poor man living in the streets, you know, the beggar. That it's it's the story you tell yourself. How do you? How would you uh, uh, answer that? Do you know, that that's the question.
1: Well, it's it's a really tricky one to answer, especially where uh, you know people could be insulted, people could feel like they're being disregarded, which is the opposite of what you really tried to achieve with it. But for me, uh, one of the key starting points is one of the influences that society has put on us is that success is about knowledge and skill. And to me, knowledge and skill are secondary. Success is about mindset. Um, and so when we can change the mindset, adding knowledge and skill is actually very, very simple. It's not the, the primary driver. And what I see is people going through a cycle of, oh, I've failed. Uh, let, me, let me learn a new technique. Let me try harder. And then there's this try harder, and oh, I've failed. And and there's this cycle, a uh, never-ending cycle. Either they're sort of just keeping ahead and, and running, 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 or the cycle is one of, of, of failure and, and and but there's this sort of constant constant sort of tension. Whereas if we go and look at the mindset and we say, well, hang on, is there a different way to do this? Is there something, could I partner with somebody? Um, you know, have, have I got a team member who is a genius in this area? Is there genius in myself? Is there a different way of doing it from the way I was taught, where I actually first connect with my uniqueness? then we can add knowledge and skill quite easily. And so the mindset change is actually a big, big focus in in the work I do with conscious leaders is when the mindset has changed, everything else follows and falls in place.
0: Where do you think leadership is going to end up in the next decade?
1: You know, I, I... I would like to be very, very positive, but I I see a polarization. It feels to me like some leaders, and and maybe this will change over the next decade, I hope so, um, are going more and more almost back to command and control and manipulation and, and this kind of stuff. But I'm genuinely seeing people are awakening, people who who would never have talked about a breathing exercise are now talking about breathing exercises, people who would never have got vulnerable about some of their feelings, some of their concerns, some of their stresses are now getting vulnerable. So this seems to me that there's a lot of people are awakening. I I don't have a crystal ball to see the future. But for me, it's almost I'm seeing it going almost polarizing even more that there are more and more people who are becoming awakened because. conscious um and it's almost like the others are now struggling even more and it's like like we're seeing in politics you know we're seeing a a polarization in politics that um you know that actually quite scary in a way
0: yeah you know if you mentioned meditation in a corporate organization 10 years ago they would have thought you were a woo-woo lunatic and now it's you know now it's the all they're all in and everyone in it together. But I think there's a there's the difference between, you know, smelly candles and sitting there and actually being having the truth and courage, which is true spirituality. You know, it's you know, and it's sort of also has been hijacked in such a way that it's actually doing not doing what it's supposed to do as well. But the corporation will have the sticker on we're, we're, we're mindful and we're doing meditation, but none of the management are practicing it, but it's just there for, it's like the the pool table in Google. You know, you see it in Dublin when you walk past and it's, oh my God, I have a pool table, but you never see anyone playing on it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Leadership is quite strange what's going on in the world as well. And you know, the more people I speak to, people re- are starting to see that there is really, really, bad leadership in the world. And the bad leadership is serving a purpose for the people that are below the leader. And there is, you know, I asked a question about bad leadership. And, you know, someone mentioned to me there that it was, oh, well, you know, people have to stand up and talk and and remove and, but if it's self-serving to people that are below the leadership of that pyramid and then, you know, you have the staff or wh- whoever is underneath that, they're the ones that are really suffering on it. So like, is that just a pendulum swinging that we have to sort of acknowledge and hopefully that more and more people will come conscious and aware to say, I'm speaking out and I'm rather speak out about what's going on and if i'm willing to lose my
1: job and that i will or are people just bought into the system I, I think it's again quite diverse i think there are people who are starting to stand up and starting to say hang on i want to do things differently uh, but uh, let me let me tell a little story because that'll that'll help Please. I, i've done a a lot of work with, um, I mean, I've worked with leaders now from nearly 90 countries. I think it's about 88 or 89 now um, over the last uh, 20 years. And one of the things that that's come up as a pattern for me, especially in the larger corporates, is that even at a very senior level, there are a lot of people who are behaving more like victims than leaders. And to me, in some ways, the victim mindset is the opposite of a conscious leadership mindset. And so, what what I've started to observe is I, I I'm working in the classroom, and they go, "Well, until my boss does this for me, I'm not going to do it for my people." And I'm going, you know, that's like Nelson Mandela saying, "Until the apartheid government changes, I'm not going to try and lead my people." You know, it's it's not leadership; it's just fundamentally not leadership. And and it starts with the the personal awareness and leading where you have influence, and and saying, you know, let me let me do. Even if it wasn't done to me, let me do it for others. Um, let me not wait until it's done because that's what leadership is. It's changing the system. Uh, and so we want to see that awakening. But I, I, I find that this victim mindset, I, 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 I polled a bunch of uh, leaders in, in, in Cape Town in South Africa about two and a half years ago. And I asked them this question. I said, um, what is um, your your personal struggle with leadership, uh, your, your struggle with self as a leader, in what you're doing. And um, the uh, and what happened was a number of them, even though I said your personal struggle with yourself as a leader, they came back and said, it's the economy, it's the government. They're, they're basically sitting with a victim mindset. And then others came back to me and they went, you know, I realise that I've got a problem with my temper. And if I don't d- figure out how to deal with that, I'm not going to be a better leader. And so it does start with self. And, and in some cases, it's the, the team member themselves but that's leadership you know a leader is not a position a leadership is when you are bringing influence and change and so even as even though you may not have a position of a leader you can influence things
0: is consent dan is is
1: silence dan consent Silence is consent, and uh, and and it actually supports the status quo. And so, for me, I, I talk about I'm a conscious leadership revolutionary, and and I mean a lot of people are kind of you know oh you know their language, but but there's an element of leadership is about changing things. Um, and I'm not a violent revolutionary, but I am about saying let's challenge the status quo. There's a better way, definitely. And I
0: think that people need to want to change as well the the last you know we're coming to the end of the show and uh, like i want to ask you are you noticing then that more leaders you know are admitting that they've been in the victim mode and they want to break free from that that's a huge milestone like a huge step if someone wants to if someone recognizes that as well
1: so I am seeing it more and more. I think um, you know people are realizing, and, and and often it takes that long dark night of the soul. You know, they go through a divorce, or they have a retrenchment, or they, you know, something happens. They have a, a teenager that's rebellious, or whatever the crisis may be, some sort of a personal crisis, sometimes a, 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 a career crisis, and and they go, hang on, there has to be a better way, and and it takes a wake up call for many people. It takes some kind of a wake up call. It was the True for myself, even though I thought I was already on the right path, it was true for me too. What's the
0: best business advice that you'd offer somebody?
1: Take care of your people. Uh, and do that by first connecting with yourself. Listen, listen to yourself, listen to your people. Um, so the, the, the whole leadership thing, you know, I, I did a master's degree in organizational leadership. There wasn't a single course on self leadership. Uh, And when I realized that I needed this personal awakening and connecting with self, suddenly I was more effective as a leader myself. And it was weird because I hadn't changed a technique. But by simply working with myself, I was more impactful and that impacted the people. And that then was my broadening of influence. Very important. Very important indeed. Tell me you're coming to Dublin. Yes, I'm going to be in Dublin from the 25th of September to the 8th of October. So I've got nearly two weeks in Dublin and uh, hoping to meet up with some people and talk about leadership. And tell me this, um, if people want to
0: reach out to you, what's your LinkedIn? Give me your LinkedIn profile, your website as well.
1: So the the LinkedIn is is Ian Hatton. I, I have the only I have the the top one, Ian Hatton, one word on LinkedIn, and you will find me. I'm so chuffed I've got that one. Um, but also, if you search on Totally Morpheus, you'll find me as well, also on LinkedIn and on our website. And uh, we have a little assessment of uh, a conscious leadership assessment called the Egg, and you'll find that on my LinkedIn profile as well. In fact, there's a QR code where people can scan and then uh, do the Egg assessment. Brilliant,
0: Ian. Thank you for coming on to Dublin South FM. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: What if you could have a sustainable business without
0: the liquidity concerns and make your company more profitable? Curious? Check out our tried and tested proven client acquisition formula. Go to www.joedalton.ie and book your free consultation now.